You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. Today is the last Sunday of March. And we often say March comes in like a lion or out like a lamb or in like a lamb and then out like a lion. Well, this year, I feel like March has come in like a lion and it's going out like a lion. I just want to welcome you, whoever you are, if you're a friend of First Christian or if you're a neighbor of First Christian, maybe even if you're agnostic and atheist, don't believe in Jesus at all. Today, I have a message for all of us because we're in this together. We are all trying to figure out how we're supposed to live from this point forward, shut in at home. On Monday, the New Mexico governor said, stay at home. Don't go into work. All essential workers are allowed to go into work, but non-essential workers, which includes most all of us, are not supposed to go in. We're supposed to stay at home. So maybe you were like me, trying to figure out, am I essential or am I non-essential? And we could take that a little bit personally. Our essential workers are our medical professionals, our first responders, people involved in food service or infrastructure. But it's not so much a statement of value as it is a statement of how do we keep things going. Here in our world today, we might be dubbed a non-essential worker, and that sends us home feeling a bit isolated, a bit alone, wondering how we're going to make ends meet and wondering how we're going to earn a living. And then, that was Monday. On Friday, we were told by the Board of Education by New Mexico that school has now been canceled for the rest of the school year. Is school essential? You know, with all these constant changes, it's very difficult to be prepared. It's very difficult to have any kind of plan at all because things are constantly changing. Do we meet in a group of 250? No, it has to be 100. No, it has to be 50. No, it has to be 10. No, it can only be five. No, please stay at home. Well, last week we just had to throw out the script and look at how we're to make sense of our world today. So last week we began Everyone at Attention, a series of looking at what Jesus would say for us, how he would instruct us as we look at this time of confinement and isolation. And today we continue looking at Mark chapter 13 as Jesus orients discipleship and and orients disciples for living in these times of uncertainty. You know, it's not just uncertainty about end times. For us, there's a lot of uncertainty about this invisible virus that we can only in some ways control our response to it. All of us are dealing even with some very personal uncertainties. This week, with Shay having two surgeries on her lung, or Debbie, having procedures and waiting for results, or Beverly recovering from surgery. On and on it goes. Those who have dealt with death to those who are dealing with difficult diagnoses. And last week, as Jesus talks about the end of the world and specifically the end of Jerusalem, the disciples were really focused in on that when question. When? Tell us, what will be the signs? And Jesus refocuses our gaze off of the externals, 
off of the magnificent stones and buildings of worship that the disciples were focused in on, and puts their attention on the who. Well, this week, I know that our attention is to be placed upon God, right? We're aware of that. Pay attention to God. Those are the kind of people we want to be. But how? How in the world are we to live as disciples or as everyday people shut in at home? Today, this expansive teaching of Jesus from Mark chapter 13 provides a, a conclusion to his longest discourse, his longest teaching in the entire gospel. And he provides some training and some insight for how one can live at the end of the time. He not only gives a bit of a teaching and a summary that I think will be helpful for us, but he tells a story. So let's read. Let's read from Mark chapter 13, verse 32. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, and pray. For you did not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake. For you don't know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn. Or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The word of the Lord from Mark chapter 13 Verse 32 down through 37. Here in this longest discourse, we get some very valuable information from Jesus about how to live. And we can't really focus in on the times. That's not something that we can know. It's not something that we can control. If even angels don't know, and even the Son of Man doesn't know, then we're not going to know about the end of time. Now, the words that Jesus does say about time that talk about this generation pertain to the destruction of Jerusalem. As the disciples looked at those stones and looked at those magnificent gold-plated structures, they were impressed, and Jesus said, it's all coming down. And you know what happened? By A.D. 70, it all did come down. Titus and the 10th legion came into Jerusalem, pulled that temple apart, and left it to burn. The only thing left today is one small portion of that exterior wall, known as the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall. Well, the summary that I want us to pay attention to today comes down in verse 33. And we get three phrases, three words, that I think are helpful and necessary for us in this time to be prepared for uncertainty and to know how we can live. The first one in verse 33 is beware. This is our word from last week. Pay attention, look, watch. And you might remember me even joking around about this Greek word blepo. And I gave you that Greek word just for a little bit of fun because it's a fun word to say, blepo. Look out for God, pay attention to God. It shows up in this chapter in verse 2, in verse 5, in verse 9, in verse 23, 
and here in verse 33, where we're looking today. So we are to beware, to watch out, to pay attention for God. There's a second word in this little verse, verse 33. Keep alert. This is a word about watching and being awake in a way that's a little different from just the visual idea of the first word, beware. If you want to get down to the nitty-gritty, it actually means don't be asleep. Be awake. Now, how many of you have had times when you had to stay awake? Maybe you didn't even make it. Staying up for New Year's? Maybe you even uh, have had to do lock-ins like I have done. Oh yes, the youth lock-in. You uh, stay up all night, locked in a building with youth. Uh, I've done these so many times mainly as a teenager, but quite a few times as a sponsor as well. And you don't really want to go to sleep. If you fall asleep, you just don't know what will happen to you. So this word is inviting people to stay awake. Some of you even have night jobs or night shifts or work late into the night. And so you know about what it is to be watchful in this sense of not being asleep. Now, another word here in verse 33 is pray. Beware, keep alert, and pray. And you might be looking in your Bible, and you might have trouble finding it. It depends on which Bible version that you're looking at. Older and more dated translations, like the King James Version or the New King James Version, include this word prayer. If you have a newer translation, and... These newer translations are based on the oldest and most reliable manuscripts. That word pray, you'll have to look down at the bottom of your page in the footnote to find. You see, there are scholars and experts that are paying close attention to the many fragments of manuscripts that are out there. And they're always on the lookout for the oldest and the most reliable manuscript. So the oldest and most reliable manuscripts don't have this word pray. But I think it fits very well. In fact, it provides the meaning of the whole verse, something of what is being called for by this entire extended teaching of Jesus. Beware, keep alert, and pray. This 33, this verse 33, provides not only a summary for us of Jesus' teaching, but he also tells us a story. And I like Jesus' stories. I don't always understand Jesus' stories. I don't always connect with Jesus' stories. Sometimes their images are far removed from me. But I love how Jesus' stories can sit on our hearts and work with us and simmer as we slowly begin to make sense of them. So the story that Jesus tells is of a master that goes on a trip. And he has all of his servants each with a task, something specific that they are to do. They are left in charge while the master is away. Everyone has a role. Everyone's essential. That's important for us to know. That we all have a task and we all have a role, even in a time when that task might look a little different. The one task in particular that Jesus keys in on is the doorkeeper. Now, I don't imagine that you have a doorkeeper in your building. Perhaps some of you live behind a gated community with a keypad for entrance. 
Maybe a lot of you have an Arlo camera or a Nest camera or some kind of visual ability like a ring doorbell to know who's coming and approaching your door. Perhaps you even have a security system that you can call a medical professional in emergency when you need them or reach out to the police if there's something that you need the police for or in the case of a fire to let the firemen know that things are not the way they need to be. But most of us don't have doorkeepers. Most of us do not live in a New York high-rise apartment complex. Well, a doorkeeper, their, their job is to maintain the threshold. They pay attention to who's coming and going, permitting people to enter and permitting people to leave. They function something like a human deadbolt long before there were deadbolts or fancy doorknobs or keypads that could restrict and permit access for people. So these doorkeepers could be men or women in the ancient Near East. And it was a pretty common and very important role. In fact, you might even recall in the New Testament, Peter, when he had denied Jesus yet still wished to say close and to see what would happen to Jesus in the trial, he went to the courtyard of the high priest and there was a woman there who allowed him to come in. And the more she looked at Peter, the more she began to realize, you're one of those. You're one of those men who were with Jesus. She had facial recognition abilities that were present even before we had digital means of facial recognition. In any case, their job is to mind the door, to pay attention to who comes in and out. Whenever the kids were small, on my day off, I got to stay home with them. And Donna would go to work. And she would say, okay, well, you need to be the housekeeper today. And I would jokingly say, okay, I'm, I'm not going to be the housekeeper today, Donna. I'm going to be the keeper of the house. I'm going to make sure that nothing bad happens to the house. But I, I won't be keeping the house. Yeah, that's my bad joke. She didn't like it either. And don't worry, I was involved in doing dishes and making sure things were attended to. So my little joke about keeping the house doesn't really work for us today. We all have to be a part of this. But as far as the doorkeeper, it's pretty straightforward. A doorkeeper keeps the door. They pay attention to the access of who comes and goes, and they watch. Very importantly, in this story, they watch for the coming of the master. Now this task of watching is the message that I think is not just for believers, but it's for all of us. Jesus is providing a very important instruction for us to be on the alert and to be on the lookout, to pay attention, to watch, and to pray. This is preparation for the disciples prior to Gethsemane, prior to that time when Jesus would be betrayed. Well, I've joked with you a little bit about the Greek words, and I don't often like to share Greek words because it can be very pretentious, and at best, sometimes it's just confusing. But I've given you the first one of blepo, pay attention. We're paying attention for God. The second word that we've been talking about today, about being awake, the Greek word is Gregory. Gregory. I wanted to share it with you because it's a name. It's a name for watchfulness and attentiveness, vigilance. 
Perhaps we can even begin to imagine why first century Christians began to use this term, Gregory, as a great name for children. In fact, a number of people in our church, men and women, they are named Gregory. They bear that name of watcher and one who is attentive and awake and vigilant in prayer. We're being given here with this word a first century relic of a practice, something that we can do. And I want you to begin to imagine your role in God's house as you're confined to the four walls of your own house. Imagine your role as a doorkeeper. You know, as we began our, our worship today, we got to see Joe and we got to see Seth and Paul and people welcoming us into worship like we're so accustomed to doing. And that role is something that I want you to think about, not just as we come into the temple of worship, but as we think about our own house. Because our interior life is something that demands a doorkeeper, where we pay attention to the things that are coming in and out. In fact, that's what I want us to spend some time thinking about now. Think about the influences on the gateway of your mind. Be a doorkeeper for a moment. In fact, you might be sitting and looking at the TV, watching this, uh, maybe up on the wall or on your screen. Do you have your notifications turned on on your phone? Is the volume turned all the way up? Is there music going on in the background? In fact, you might even picture yourself on a normal evening. Are you watching TV, maybe with music in the background, your phone close by, and perhaps you're even working on your laptop computer? Those are a lot of gateways, a lot of avenues to our brain. It's been a while since we've been able to go to a restaurant. But can you remember times when you've been in a restaurant where you've got TVs up on the wall, maybe with different shows on, on them, music playing around the restaurant, people seated at other tables around you with conversations going, and yet you're there with a beloved friend having lunch. Now perhaps we're able to tune out the distractions of the kitchen or the wait service or maybe even the conversations that are close to us, but there's a lot of input, a lot of things that are going on. Our ears and our eyes are open and seeking and bringing these into our soul. And I wonder if we might not be well served by being a doorkeeper and a gateway monitor to reduce the clatter and reduce the channels that are in our life. Couldn't we hit the mute button on the television? Couldn't we power down the computer? Maybe we plug in our phone to let it charge up in another room elsewhere. How is it that we could reduce the number of inputs that our family is taking in in this time when there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of inputs that may or may not be helpful? This is why nature is so important. Where you get outside to reduce those connections, reduce the clutter, and breathe. Just be out there. Take in a beautiful mountain view on a hike. Or maybe even a mundane view of a sidewalk as you go for a walk. Our world is pretty much all human constructed, maintained by walls and lights, uh, climate controlled, all these spaces that are human manipulated. Whenever you get out in nature, you are closer to God's creation and you're closer to God's very breath. 
I think that Jesus is preparing us in this passage to be doorkeepers. Doorkeepers who blepo, who pay attention to God. Doorkeepers maybe named Gregory, who are awake and alert and vigilant during very uncertain times. Because the disciples must be ready in this prepared time for what is coming. We cannot be prepared in the moment for trial. We have to prepare in advance. And Jesus is providing an opportunity for us to use the method of prayer to be prepared. If I'm teaching a spin class or a fitness class and someone goes into cardiac arrest, I can't say, well, just hold on a second. I'm going to go take a CPR class. I'll be right back in a few weeks. No. That person demands medical attention right in the present moment. What Jesus is doing here in Mark 13 with this teaching is preparing us by being people of prayer who are attentive and awake and prayerfully focused upon God. This regular prayer is preparation. These watches that are mentioned, these four watches of evening and midnight and cock crow and dawn, these are the four Roman watches. Jews had three watches through the night from sunset till about 10, from 10 to 2 a.m., and then from 2 a.m. until the sun rose in the morning. These became moments of prayer, and early Christians began to monitor and provide these moments of prayer all through the day and through the night to give attention to God. Preparing ourselves in prayer is a must. It's vital. This week I got a call from a member of our staff and the staff member said, did you send me an email asking to do something very discreet? I said, no, I, I, I didn't send you an email. So, well, I got an email asking me to do something for you from you, someone pretending and posing as you. And they asked me in follow-up emails to go out and buy gift cards from Amazon and then take pictures of them and send them to me. And I, I wondered, that didn't sound quite right. Yes, this was a phishing attempt, attempt to spoof with this email and trick people into giving important information. We have to be very attentive that even in very difficult times, people will try to take advantage and try to cash in. And we need to be intentional, to pay attention to our thoughts and the things that are coming in to our brains, what's being processed by our ears and our eyes, and to think about how we might begin our day in prayer. You know, with this intentionality, with this being focused on being a doorkeeper, how is it that you start your day? Do you pick up your phone? Do you turn on the news? Click on the radio? Let the input of news begin to flood your soul? I wonder if you might wait. Just wait. Instead, use those early moments, that special time for prayer, maybe reading of scripture, to focus your attention on God. Same thing about the end of the day. How might you pay attention to the way that your day ends? Could you turn off screens for a while, eliminate the input, and just simply be and be still in the presence of God? I'm calling all of us. We are all essential disciples, essential workers, into this work of prayer. I said before that this message is for atheists and agnostics as well. I, wanna, I want you to give it a try. In fact, the way that this chapter ends in verse 37 is, 
This is Jesus speaking. What I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. It's not just limited to the disciples. It's for everyone to stay awake and pay attention. It's not meaning don't ever go to sleep again. It's talking about the kind of attentiveness where we're looking for God. Perhaps this might be a time where you begin asking questions of God, where you begin looking for God. Maybe you want to write down some of those things that you see and hear. Maybe write down some of your questions. Perhaps write down answers that come to you from other people or from other sources. Answers that are maybe satisfying to you or maybe not satisfying at all. Let me know how it's going. Email me. Give me a call. Talk to me about what you're finding as you pay attention to God and you are awake to the presence of God. Even if, in the case of an agnostic or an atheist, you're simply imagining and saying, all right, I'll play along. Just give it a try. See what happens. I'm calling all of us to this essential task of being alert, of being attentive to God, and being prayerful to God. It's a call to blepo. It's a call to be named Gregory, and it's a call to prayer. I ask that you'll be attentive and vigilant, and that you will be looking for the return of the Master. <laughs>